The Energy Matters to You podcast is a communication platform that features technologies and thought leaders working to advance energy efficiency. Energy Matters to You seeks to connect buyers with sellers so that practical, cost-effective energy efficiency and sustainable energy solutions continue to gain market traction. And now your hosts, Ron Galuli and Leo Ryan. Hello and welcome to Energy Matters to You. Leo Ryan here along with my colleague, co-host, Ron Galuli. Ron, good to see you. Good morning, Leo. Great to see you. So fall season, cross-country season, a lot of big races the last couple of weekends. You uh, you paying attention to this? Oh, yeah, absolutely. BAA half marathon, we had some uh, great performances. Cara D'Amato on the woman's side, she was fourth place overall, mixing it up with the Ethiopian contingent. Pretty cool. But you know what? People really want to just know about the Galuli family. You got any Galulis running? Uh, yeah, my daughter, Allie, she ran in the Midwest Regional, NCA Division One Regional for the NCA qualifier. Her team didn't qualify as a team, but they were ninth out of 32 teams. And uh, the team had the, probably the best performance of the season. So everybody was pretty pumped about that. Well, that's great. And how about Allie? How'd she run? Uh, yeah, she ran well. She was, uh, I think, 86th maybe. And she was fifth fifth runner for the team. So she had uh, scoring points. So she was really happy about awesome. that. Awesome. Good news. That's a fast family. You, you build them fast in the Gluey household. Right. Trying to keep up. Well, beautiful. So we got a great guest with us today who's uh, familiar with the Rhode Island scene. we got uh, Brett Feldman from Rhode Island Energy. Brett, welcome to Energy Matters to you. Thanks. Great to be here. I, I can't, definitely can't run that as much as you guys. <laughs> well, very few people can. Yeah, so it's a, it's a small group that can run that fast. Well, Brett, it's funny. I, was, I, I looked at your LinkedIn profile. And I see we've got 180 mutual connections. So we, we travel in some of the same energy circles, apparently. Yeah, it's a small world. That's for sure. So why don't you uh, get just a little background on yourself and how you got to this position at Rhode Island Energy? You bet. Yeah, I've been in the energy efficiency space for over 25 years, a lot of different sides. Um, did a couple of years at ICF Consulting down in Washington, D.C., working on the Energy Star programs with EPA and DOE. Then I was uh, with Nexent, which is now Resource Innovations, for a couple of years. First, I was helping to start up the Wisconsin Focus on Energy programs, and they were just getting going. And then I was out in California for a couple of years, trying to clean up after the Enron mess. So working with the California utilities and the the state out there, first generation demand response and energy efficiency programs, trying to keep the lights on. Uh, Then I came back east uh, around 2003 after the big blackout in the in the in the Northeast, if you remember that. So I kind of consider myself the ambulance chaser of the energy industry, going from Enron back to the, the blackout. And I was on the utility side for a few years at what was then NSTAR, now Eversource, managing uh, commercial industrial energy efficiency programs. Then I went to the uh, deregulated side of the industry for a while, Constellation Energy, and this was really when the the ISO, uh, the wholesale markets, afford capacity market was getting started. So I, I was bidding a lot of demand response and efficiency and distributed generation into ISO New England and New York and PJM and, and various markets. So that was fun to see that side of the industry. Um, then I went more on the consulting and market research side with, uh, with first Navigant, then it became Guidehouse. Um, so I was leading up the market research team, looking at demand side management and distributed energy resource issues. As And this was global. So it was neat to get a global view there, looking at what was going on in Europe and in Asia, getting to do some travel, uh, but also working a lot with 
utilities on, on their programs. And so uh, last year I made the jump back to the utility side again. Um, and so this is when National Grid was selling its Rhode Island business to PPL last year. So I, I came during that transition where they were looking to hire some people to run the Rhode Island side of the business. So I, I joined then and I'm overseeing all the policy and planning and evaluation and strategy for the all the energy efficiency programs for the company in Rhode Island right now. It's both electric and gas and CNI and residential. So whole whole portfolio. Geez, great. Right. We we have to slow you down. We got to unpack a lot here. <laughs> we got to unpack an awful lot. But you know what? I'm really struck by but well, I don't know how many people have have bounced so much between say private sector and I'll call it utility sector. And so you think about you know NextSamp and ICF and uh, Navigant Guidehouse, all that side, and then all the work that you did close to policy and and on the utility side. If you if you if you had a you know, draw a, a difference between those environments. Could you could you broadly draw out what's what's different between working in the utility side of the house versus well, I'll just call it the private sector side of the house? Yeah, and I'll say I haven't been on the government side yet. That's the one I haven't tried. I'd still be open to it, but I haven't haven't made that jump yet. But yeah, it's interesting. So I've kind of been on both sides of the table, right? I've been at the utility where I'm putting out RFPs for vendors, and then I've been on the other side writing proposals. And so it's good to get both perspectives to know what each side is looking for. And I'd say the utilities have changed over the last 10 to 20 years. I was at um, Eversource back in the early 2000s. And um, I'd say since then, uh, the utilities got a lot more on board with efficiency and, and demand response and and uh, you know distributed resources than they were back then. Um, I think it's taken a much more prominent role these days. So it's been great to see. Uh, and also, you know, there's a lot of turnover in the utility industry in terms of retirement, right? A lot of people get into that retirement age. So we do need a lot of younger people with fresh perspectives in the industry. So I think it's good to get some of the kind of that fresh blood into the utilities. And yeah, I think being on the the other side, uh, I've gotten laid off a couple of times in my life, just being in the private sector, you know, that that happens. You kind of ebb and flow. If you don't win a contract, sometimes you can't, uh, can't hang on for too long. So it's definitely can be high stress there, but at the same time, it's a uh, it's fun working on a lot of different projects when they're at the utility. Maybe you're work focused on some some main uh, programs that you're, you're working on. But when you're a consultant, you can really bounce around and see a lot of different things, different different states, different utilities, which is fun. Yeah, it's interesting, Ron. I'm going to pull you in on this one here, thinking about like the the change, the, the difference between the two those two communities. And and Brett, you 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 highlighted that there's some turnover. There's a more creative approach on the utility side, and all that. You know, I've seen it in mine, and Ron, you've certainly seen it, but they, they have positions that are focused on marketing, how to get the message to the right people in the right way. And then they they there's a they lean in to having folks that know the front end of end of technology, not just waiting for the market to say, this is what we do, but saying, but what's out there and how do we adapt it to the portfolio? Ron, can you can you comment to those those pieces and change and changes in the utilities that you've seen over the years? Well, yeah, just to comment uh, on, on what Brett said, I have a Definitely a greater appreciation uh, having worked at the utility, then working as an installation contractor, and then working as a program manager for a consulting firm. So you take all those experiences and combine them, and you just have, I think, a better sense of how to design these programs and where to go and uh, how to work with your partners more effectively. Beautiful. There I go. There's my catchphrase beautiful. <laughs> oh, hey, uh, so, Brett, um, 
Let's go, let's talk about Rhode Island Energy. What you're doing for them? What kind of the, um, the goals you have? And maybe talk a little bit about say, kind of the resistance you might see in the marketplace. So tell us a little bit about Rhode Island Energy and, and your work there. You bet. Yeah. So you know we separated from National Grid last May, and so we've been part of PPL now. So it's been an interesting transition because a lot of a lot of the Rhode Island programs were basically just spinoffs from the Massachusetts programs historically. Right. There wasn't a lot of difference and made sense. There was some scale there, but now like we are, you know, we still want to do what was working and we keep in touch with our Massachusetts colleagues, but we're trying to see if there are some new things we can try or if we just have a little more freedom or independence now as well. So it's, I think it's good to take a fresh look and PPL brings its own perspective too. They also have business in Pennsylvania, Kentucky. So on the energy efficiency side, that might be a little behind where we are, but uh, on the grid modernization side, they're they're way ahead of us. So, you know, we just got a advanced metering plan approved here that they've already done in Pennsylvania and Kentucky. So I think that's exciting and brings new opportunities for DSM programs and a lot of other grid modernization technologies that'll bring more things for distributed energy resources in the future. So I think we're trying to get the best of both worlds there, but, you know, just back in the the energy efficiency world, Rhode Island's a little different than other places. We have annual plans that we have to get approved. We have a three-year plan, which is kind of non-binding, and then we have annual plans that are the binding ones. So this year, we're in the midst of doing our three-year in our annual plan for 2024 through 2026. So we're also on a different cycle than Massachusetts or Connecticut. So it's been a lot of, a lot of work uh, this whole year, putting those plans together and working with stakeholders to to get buy-in and and you know getting all the program design that they want to see, and so now we're in the process where we're answering uh, information requests from the Rhode Island Public Utilities Commission and the the Division of Public Utilities and Carriers, which acts as the uh, ratepayer advocate in Rhode Island, kind of like the Attorney General in Massachusetts. So we're answering a lot of questions, and then we have the hearings with the PUC in December to where they'll make their final decision. So just trying to get through all that at the end of the year right now. So let's let's stay on it for a little bit. So these three years, uh, a decent sized window for uh, businesses to adapt and the utility to get out their message. If you, if you, if you, if you line up the, the plane you're coming out of and the plane you're going into, where do you see the changes? What's, uh, what's, uh, where, where is money going to be spent? Where's the priority going to be for this new plan moving forward? Yeah, absolutely. So I think as people are aware, there's, there's been a major shift away from lighting over the past few years and going to the future. Right? On the residential side, we're pretty much done with lighting on CNI. There's still probably a few years of a runway, but we can see see the end <laughs> coming. So you know that's obviously a big shift for for customers and vendors and for our programs in terms of we used to rely so much on lighting, and over the next few years, I think lighting's going to you know be less than fifty percent of our our estimated savings, and, and just keep dropping from there. So we got to find where the next opportunities are. So certainly HVAC is the, the big one with heat pumps and electrification. So um, we're, we're talking with customers about that. We know it's not as easy necessarily on the the commercial side as it is for residential. So. I think you know we've gotten feedback from vendors and from customers, and we share that with the stakeholders. We have some stakeholders that want to just get fully off of gas as soon as we can, right? Just like you see in Massachusetts, and we just try to be realistic and say, okay, we'll see. Again, maybe on the residential side, we can be a little swifter with that, but we want to make sure that our 
our business customers still have the options that they they want and that they need and and um, that are cost effective for them. So we're trying to be sensitive to that. Brett, it's great to see uh, Rhode Island Energy taking that initiative with regard to the grid modernization because that ties into what are your plans for or are, are there plans for electrification? I know in some of the other programs that we do work in, the electrification savings numbers, if you will, can be quite large depending on what the customer is doing for an installation. Obviously, you have air source heat pumps, but there's a lot of opportunity for heat recovery chillers, replacing mm -hmm. boilers with some type of heat pump system. Mm -hmm. So are there plans to move in that direction along with some of the other utilities on the East Coast and West Coast? Yeah, I'll say this is another one where just from a regulatory standpoint, Rhode Island is not a an exact replica of Massachusetts where like they're really full bore on the electrification and um, managing measuring programs based on greenhouse gas savings, right? So Rhode Island Still a little bit. We're we're still focused on uh, KW and and therm savings. We haven't gotten to that level where it's kind of fuel blind. So the the um the, and the energy efficiency programs we're not really allowed to do that kind of fuel switching directly. Um, now this pat this year this the PUC gave a new um, program type. They're calling a demand side management proposal where. It's separate from energy efficiency where we could propose more of an electrification type program. So we're looking at that opportunity in the future, but also the state uh, Office of Energy Resources has gotten its own pot of federal funding to run its own uh, heat pump program. So the state has, it's called Clean Heat Rhode Island. So the, they're doing a lot of heat pumps for uh, gas and oil customers uh, on the residential side, but also for small businesses and community organizations. So uh, you know, it's a little more coordination required in Rhode Island as opposed to maybe Mass, where it's all under one one uh, bucket right now. But we definitely, I mean, that's the direction we want to go and make it as easy as possible for customers. And yeah, we were looking at air source heat pumps. We've also had a lot of discussions recently with some geothermal heating companies. So that seems to be a growing area of interest as well. For uh, there's a company that's doing some test wells at Brown University right now. So Brett. You know, you 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 present the then the options available to the residential and the commercial uh, environments. And I'm just curious, like from where you sit, what would you say is the, the 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 biggest limiting factor? Why don't the technologies get adopted faster? Uh, where the, where's the point of resistance? Is it is it education? Is it funding? Is it uh, the technologies aren't tested or perceived to be tested? What would you say the the limitations and restrictions are? Yeah. Great question. If we knew the answer to that, we'd all be millionaires, right? <laughs> oh, true. Uh, no, yeah, I think it's a it's a, a, a mix. So I think education is a big part of it, um, especially when you're talking about you know in the old days it was pretty easy to change out a light bulb or just replace a, a chiller with something more efficient of the same type. And now we're talking about really transformational things with with heat pumps and electrification. So I think it does take some more education and there's also some could be some perceived risk or whether it's real or not there's always people are can be risk averse especially in businesses right if they're not going to benefit from it it could be more of a uh concern for for something really going wrong as opposed to just stay in the stay in the course so we understand that you know that that mindset um can be financed sometimes these these technologies are 
um, have a lot of upfront capital costs, right? It's, so that that can be a concern. And we're talking with companies that can offer financing options for uh, doing more of an energy as a service type of a model. Yeah, and then uh, always the technology itself. I mean, no, nothing works perfect. So with heat pumps, it is something where you're still going after early adopters. And if there are issues early on, then that'll just really delay things down the road, right? To try to get to the mass market, you really got to work out a lot of the kinks before you can try to try to go after the the bulk of the marketplace. Yeah. And I'm just asking in terms of like these technologies, how do you feel the the marketplace has done with getting you know, qualified companies, qualified technicians, qualified sales folks that understand how to present. How, what, what's your sense about in energy efficiency in particular, how well the industry is doing in providing those resources to consumers? Yeah, no, workforce is a huge concern in the industry right now. We did a workforce needs assessment study this year and definitely found some gaps just in terms of numbers of uh, you know, current employees versus what's going to be needed in the future and just the training that's going to be needed. Because for even for existing companies, like we said, if someone's been focused on lighting their whole life, now they got to start thinking about going to, to HVAC or controls or other things. And there's just a lot of training that's needed for those vendors. And then there's new vendors that are coming into the space because they see an opportunity. Um, but, you know, you got to make sure that they're not just trying to sell a black box or and they, they do the installation, right? Because that's the other thing is that you can have a piece of equipment, but if the installation is done wrong, then it's useless. So I think that the installation is a big concern. But yeah, just overall workforce, uh, we're just going to need a lot more people to to grow where, how we want to and, and to meet our goal. So that's a, a big concern right now. Brett, um, I attended a few of the plugged in series down at URI, okay. uh, which were really well done. But you mentioned workforce development, energy equity. Uh, one of our prior, and th they had, uh, I think, one session on that as well. But one of our prior guests you may be interested in reaching out to is Stacks and Jewels. They provide util or utilize project-based learning for the building automation and controls industry. So these kids get hands-on training. I think they even get some Niagara Ford training. And the skills that they have directly relates to the relates to the need for more professionals in that space. If you talk to any controls or systems integrator, they can't find enough people. And these are really well-paying jobs. Yeah, no, please. I'd love to hear more. We're open to all opportunities for, for workforce development. Um, but that's something where you know the, the, the utility of the program administrator can be involved, but it also requires a lot of other stakeholders from the the state and there's some federal funding opportunities. I know as part of the IRA and other DOE funding, there's workforce development um, and training there. So yeah, I think we we want to provide all opportunities we can for to, to build our workforce. Yeah, I'll just um, jump on to what Ron was saying there about the stacks and jewels and they did a terrific job of integrating with um, with big uh, household name uh, companies. So that uh, internships is with groups that are out serving all kinds of populations and have great experience. I'll yeah. mention that um, uh, UMass Amherst has this terrific uh, building construction technology, this BCT focus. And uh, the folks who come out of that program, they get a sampling in all the, the whole sector of, of building construction. And 
you know, we're, we're building buildings now that have a 30, 50, 100 year life on them. So the decisions that we make about mechanical systems in particular, anything about, you know, conditioning, electrification of the building has long-term impacts. And if communities have the intention of hitting net zero targets, certainly all new construction has to be aligned with with, with net zero, and as well as the you know, the renovations. We make decisions in a household that have a 20, 30 year life. We put in a new heating system. And if we're not aware of those net zero aligned technologies, then we miss a, a wonderful window. So stacks yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and one, one other thing related to that that we're excited about is that we've been approached by Worcester Polytech and, and also Community College of Rhode Island to get some DOE funding to be industrial assessment centers, IACs. So you know they can help us to do some energy audits uh, so it helps our programs, but also it helps build that workforce and engineers that will be needed to do that in the future. Awesome. Yeah, the students that attend the IACs, um, very well prepared for working in our industry. And I, I know, we, in fact, we have several on our staff and they've been a great contributors to our success. Cool. Good to know. So, Brett, we, we try to keep these to 20 minutes. We've exceeded that. We've successfully done uh -oh. that. And so anything else, any kind of other message you want to get out to the to the folks who might be listening? Don't forget about Rhode Island. I know there's a lot of other opportunities in, in bigger states, but we're here. As I said, you know, we're, we're not directly tied to, to Massachusetts anymore. But we want to maintain our presence and show you what what uh, opportunities exist there. So so come on down. Beautiful. All right. Brett Feldman, Rhode Island Energy, thanks for all the work you've done in energy efficiency and clean energy. We appreciate that on Energy Matters to you. My pleasure. Well, Thank you, Brett. What do we get? What else we got in the pipeline for uh, Energy Matters Two podcasts? Oh, uh, I think we have a few. Matt Tuttleman. I need to circle back with him because he wanted to refresh on sea power and the demand response, but also his personal journey toward net zero. He had a nice posting on LinkedIn discussing the geothermal system he put at his house. So yeah, yeah. we hope to get Matt on, on the show within the next few weeks. He's reminding me that he's the, this will be his third time on the show, right? And 10 <laughs> years, he's been on three times. He's got the record, yeah. Right. I think one of our first or second guest, uh, uh, Eric Graham from Crowd Comfort, uh, he's he's going to come back on. So I think, Ron, okay, I think good. He, was our, he was our second guest. So we're, we're dipping way into the archives for some of these, but we're still connected. Beautiful, good stuff. Uh, so on behalf of uh, Ron Galuli and Leo Ryan, this has been Energy Matters to you. There's work to be done. Go make a difference. Support for Energy Matters to you comes from National Grid, Raytheon, Siemens, Keurig Dr. Pepper, Eversource, Mitsubishi Electric Train HVAC US, AHA Consulting Engineers, GDS Associates, QGM Consulting, Acela Energy Group, B2Q Associates, Lidos, Conservation Solutions Corporation, Energy Management Associates Incorporated, and FMC Technologies. Do you or someone you know want to be featured on Energy Matters to You? We're seeking professionals in the energy industry to offer insight, strategy, and solutions. For more information, visit aeenewengland.org slash podcasts. For more information on the Association of Energy Engineers New England chapter, visit aeenewengland.org.